Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of Paraprobe. It is September 4th already. Time, yeah. yeah, time's flying by this year, man. What year? What year? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, I it, literally ask people on a regular basis, what year is this? The very <laughs> beginning of this year seemed like it was just dragging by. It's like one week seemed to be going by. It took a month for one week to go by. And now it's like seconds are going by for every day, it Dude. feels like. It's because we're running around so much and like really hitting everything really hard and just yeah we're we have been so daggone busy it's not even funny I mean even tonight we're uh, we're having like a major meeting because we've been so busy with day jobs and like phone calls and all the other crap that goes into uh-huh. everything we've been doing yeah that we have not had any time to sit down and actually talk amongst ourselves about you know yeah. What's the plan, bro? You and I have been so busy. <laughs> we haven't had time to actually be like face to face just to hang out and do like our meetings like we because it's always phone conference. Yeah. So we took it a point that tonight after this show, we're going to be sticking around here for a couple hours, order out for pizza and stuff. And we got a lot of things to hash out for like, you know, the events coming up and all that. Uh, we're preparing to probably be uh, going to the best of the Bay, you know, awards party. Yes. Yes. Uh, our show got nominated for uh, best internet radio show on Best of the Bay from Creative Loafing out of uh, over here in the Tampa St. Pete Clearwater area. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I, it was so funny because uh, I had a friend of mine talking to a, another friend of mine who they made the comment. They said, "Well, they nominate anybody," and they started laughing. They're like, "No, they said they only took the top twenty this year of every category." <laughs> so we made the top twenty list. Yep, we're up there the with uh, yeah. some very infamous people. Actually, one yes. of them is. Uh, one of the uh, radio hosts on uh, 1025, The Bone. Yes, the Johnny B himself. Johnny yeah. B. Meister. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and, of course, you know, all the other guys from 1025, The Bone, Mike Halton, all of them got nominated, of course, because they course do they it every year. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, they are literally the best of the bay. I mean, yeah, you can't I mean, be – I ain't mad at them. Hey, I ain't mad at them at all. You know, but this also includes, like, restaurants, and this includes, like, Food. musicals and plays that go on. Uh, yeah, all types of businesses. So for anybody who would love to vote for us, which we would definitely appreciate, obviously, you can actually go to the Best of the Bay website, which is, and I can tell you here in two seconds because my stupid phone decided to close out, <laughs> is B-O-T-B-TampaBay.com. So it's B as in boy, O as in Oscar, T as in Tom, B as in Bob, T as in Tampax, um, <laughs> A as in America, America. Um, actually, let me let me do this again. Actually, it's B is in Bob, O is in Oscar, B is in Bob. Oh, nope, nope. I'm sorry, I'm wrong. B O. It's B O T B Tampa Bay dot com. So it's B is in boy, O is in Oscar. See, I would do this like military way, but I know a lot of people won't understand it, so I'm doing it a different way. All right. Okay, yeah. So Whatever. B is in boy, O is in Oscar, <laughs> T is in Tom, B is in boy, T is in Tampa, A is in America. M as in America, P as in paper, um, A as in America, B as in boy, A as in America, and Y as in you to go vote for us. Look, just Google Best of the Bay under Creative Living <laughs> for Tampa Bay and go vote for us under the Best Internet Radio Show. Yes. We're awesome. You know it. We know it. Yes, we are underneath Put us the, on the top, baby. Yes, and that's where we are located. Uh, John Rusnick just, oh, man, that is sweet. John just texted me a picture of his knife. Check that out. Bro, it's fake. No, it's not so. Dude, you want to see the LeSabre he bought the other day? The LeSabre, like a Buick? LeSabre, yeah, Buick. (laughs) This car had only 30,000 miles on it, and this is an old-school car, bro. One owner, old lady, Kevin Garage, how he finds these things, I don't know. He talks to people. Yeah, the same way we find crap. Yeah, and he paid very little money for it, man. It's awesome. Matter of fact, here's a picture of it right there. You can take a look at it. So... Oh, I need to steal some pieces off that. Isn't that sweet? Yeah, no, yeah. my wife has that. I need the headliner. Oh, that's right. Like, Your wife does have yeah. that car. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I need some white paint, too. So yeah. I need the headliner. I need a couple of doors. Like, <laughs> let me get that trunk, too. You yeah. know what? How about we trade cars, bro? Like, hers, hers don't have that many miles. I think it's like 50. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, all right, so we'll be moving right along. So anyways, yeah, so we made, we made Best of the Bay for uh, Best Internet Radio Show. 
Um, and you can go to Creative Loafing's Best of the Bay competition, vote now, and go down the list and look at all the other people that are out there doing their things, too, you know, in entertainment, you know, local celebrities. Uh, you have also, like, you know, best restaurants, like I said, you know, stuff like that. All kinds of cool places to go check out and vote for, especially if you're a local. This is all throughout, like, Tampa Bay, St. Pete, Clearwater area primarily, you know, so hence the name, Best of the Bay. So, yeah, we got nominated out of the top 20 and made it. So for all the people out there who thought that we suck, and couldn't make it anywhere. <laughs> I don't see your show listed. So, anyways, moving on. <laughs> and all the people that voted for us, thank you very much. We appreciate the love. Yes, we do appreciate now the on, love. Now I'm changing my name from Jesse J to Jesse Love. I will be Dr. Love. And Dr. Love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you a good physical baby. <laughs> We're going to be going deep to the soul music tonight. <laughs> and I'm going to show you the love. Oh, I wish I had some soul music, too. Like, or <laughs> that some, would be like, awesome, really right? Dude, I always love those guys' voices, man, in the old-school <laughs> DJ days, man, oh, when yeah. they would do that. You know, those, those, the guys that would put on, like, the love music at night, you know? And I was just like, oh, my God, they got, like, the most awesome voice. Like James Earl Jones for Darth Vader. Dude. Most awesome, uh, iconic voice. Iconic. Yeah, iconic. Forever and ever, amen. Or uh, Debo. Yeah, yeah. Debo, bro. Uh, yeah, for me, I just sound like a guy who's, like, drank a lot of whiskey and smoked a lot of cigarettes in his lifetime, you know? So yeah, which, more like cigars, more like cigars, more like cigars. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, there's, there's a lot of truth to it. Um, so anyways, so today we're going to be talking about exorcisms. We're going to be talking about possessions. Uh, we maybe talk about repossessions. I don't know. Um, it depends how much time we got here, but we got a lot of things we'll be discussing tonight. Um, also, too, something else I wanted to to touch on tonight besides Uh-oh. myself. The thing <laughs> I wanted to touch on is that. A lot of people have, have asked me the question here recently uh, for a lot of new people who follow us. They're like, hey, you guys talk about paranormal and all that good stuff. Do you guys actually investigate? Let me clarify something for the newer people to the audience. I have been doing investigations. I am, you know, I'm not going to lie. I'm 48 years old. I've been investigating for, you know, since I was like probably about 1920. So, yeah, I've been not since 1920, but since I was 19 or 20 years old. <laughs> So I've been investigating for a long time. Yes, I've done tons of investigations. I know that there's some people out there who go, well, I haven't seen your name in the paranormal circles. Really? Didn't know about yours either until someone else told me your name. So yeah, there no. you go. And it's look, a big I'm, field. And as for me, I am relatively new to professionally investigating. But you've been uh, investigating for a long time. Yeah. I knew it. I I, I mean, I went to school for crime scene investigation, so, like, yeah. it, the it's only there. Di- <laughs> the only differences between me and a lot of those people is, like, look, I started doing, like, radio back in, like, oh, God. Nine, 1492. Uh, yeah, back in 1492. <laughs> it, was, uh, it, was a, it was a boat show. Um, <laughs> but back in, like, you know, 2011, I was doing radio when, uh, you know, and this was, like, after I'd already been investigating, obviously, for a long time. So we had a paranormal talk show back then that I had called the GPRN. And people ask me back then, they're like, you know, yeah, we've seen you talking about this investigation, that investigation, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of investigations that we've done, or me in particular, that I've done that were residential investigations for, you know, these people who reached out to me to have our team come in and investigate. We don't talk about their private information. That's why it's not out there publicly. Yeah, all the other people, real quick, is that showing all the stuff out there is doing stuff that, yes, they can public, publicly share. Most of the investigations I have done, we could not publicly share. These people were just wanting to know what was going on in their home. And as we get into the topic tonight, you'll understand a little bit more because a lot of these um, exorcisms and possessions that yeah. we talk about, a lot of the names have been changed by Absolutely. the people performing them to protect them. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's really, really effed up, for lack of a better word, yeah. that like some of the stuff that happens. You don't you don't want that out there publicly and a lot of people don't want their homes to be noted as haunted because there are still a lot of people exactly. out there that will not buy a house if it has had a haunting, a murder, or anything like yeah, that in exactly. there. Yeah, exactly. And you people know. actually look for that now. I mean, yeah, actually frat you boys live there. You were in Forbes magazine with uh, our buddy um oh, yeah, Wizard, yeah. yeah. What's his face? <laughs> uh Jeremy. Yeah. Um yes. for doing uh it was kind of like a a one-off thing, but like y'all did several investigations for some of these homes. Yes, were that, homes. I, that I could talk about because that yeah. is public information. Yeah. Yes, uh, me and you know my buddy Jeremy, uh, we uh, he's the founder of Genesis Paranormal, which we are also members of. You know Jesse and I, and we got contacted. Well, let me rephrase that. Jeremy got contacted by Bungalow. It's a major real estate company. 
It was uh, at this last Halloween or the Halloween before. I can't remember now. I'm going to interject real quick. Every time I hear the word bungalow, I think either bigalow or like bungalow. That's uh, what I always. Well, no, no, like a bungalow, like a wedding bungalow. Like there's some. There's some like newlywed freaky stuff oh, going on. <laughs> well, there might, there may have been. But the thing about these bungalows, they like one of the ones we went into was like a four million dollar home. So they're not little bungalows, you know, like you know, little cabins or nothing. Dang. So th- it was a Halloween push where they were putting out that we are so in depth on checking out these homes and making sure they're perfect for the next family who purchases them, uh, purchase that home. We make sure they're not even haunted. And so that was like their advertising thing. So they actually had us and a couple other, you know, investigators that were known and seasoned that we went out and investigated these locations for them and actually had a, a, you know, check sheet that we wrote off on what we found, what we didn't find, all that, and gave that to them to put out there. That was a part of their advertising campaign and it wound us up into Forbes magazine. So yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. There, of course, there's commercial things that I've done and stuff that I've done publicly on investigations and such. But a lot of the ones that I've done have not been public, and they will never be public. So, just want to get that out there and clear that up real quick. Yeah, it's not a cockiness thing, but it is one of those things where we're like, yeah, we know what we're talking about. Exactly. And it's also one of those things where, at the end of the day, well. Honestly, I really just don't care what people think about me, but <laughs> it was one of those of just it coming up so often. I'm like, okay, let me clarify finally. Yeah, no, no, so no. I'll quit getting asked that question. See, and, and it's just – it's like you're – I don't know. You're you're a professional at something, whatever, and someone asks you, do you know what you're doing? Kind of. I'm getting paid for it. Like, <laughs> Yeah. No, granted, I never got paid for my investigations. We never charged. But. No, but you – what? So, 19 to 48, and someone's 30 years of investigating. Yeah. And now, That's, yeah, and a lot of the locations we got coming up that we're doing our events with now, with H&E, you know, with H&E Entertainment, those are for entertainment. The, you know, there is investigations that are involved with them, you know, paranormal related. That's going to be out there for fun. But there's also, there's going to be moments where we're going to be hitting some of these locations just on our own and investigating, too, to see what's really going on. Yeah, we're just – basically right now we're trying to get our business off the ground and be able to be self-sustaining so we can go do all the fun stuff to show y'all, to produce for y'all. And we'll probably putting videos out at yeah. some point somewhere of the crap we do. And we yeah. just – you know, we take investigating kind of seriously for the most part, but we don't take it too seriously. Uh, the, yeah, that's you know, the other we're, thing we're too. We're not we're – not, uh, Oh, what's his name? Zach Baggins or whatever, you know, trying to. Yeah, but you know, though, hold on, though. <laughs> Let me clarify on something with Zach Baggins. <laughs> Let me tell you something. All right. Zach Baggins, I don't care what any investigator out there has to say about Zach Baggins. The man's a genius. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. The man took what we all do in investigations, made it entertaining, and makes a lot of money off of it. I don't care what anybody has to say about him. You're not signing his paycheck, and I promise you, he does not care what you think. No. His ratings are extremely high, and he makes a lot of money. All right? Oh, yeah. Now, with that being said, time and time again, I see out there people saying, well, you shouldn't be investigating like them. You know, you need to do it my way. I'm a real investigator. (laughs) Really? What makes you a real investigator? The same thing that the other 150,000 people behind you said? Because you're not saying anything original. None of us are. Let's be real. All right. It's cool hey. when we go out and investigate and we find cool stuff. Don't get me wrong. You know, capture something on film. Uh, if we dis- Even if we disprove something, if we find something that we can go, hey, there is a logical reason why that particular thing happened. It's not paranormal. But unfortunately, what we deal with is very sporadic. And in a scientific yeah. sense, it's not repeatable to a T. You yeah. know? So there's not a whole lot of evidence. And it's just not one of those things that, like, unless we find a way to actually – see it yeah. like a hundred percent all the time we're not going to be able to prove anything so basically we're chasing imaginary friends and you're welcome you're welcome there you go <laughs> anyways yeah. let's get into the let's topic let's uh it. not right. rant yeah let's not rant tonight we'll do that next week i'm gonna call people out we got like an hour and a half two hours after the show to rant we could do that that is true yes all right so um what would we like to go into first possessions or exercise well i do want to preface this a little okay. bit i want to i want to lay down a few things um one if you are very sensitive and very freaked out by the potentiality of things like really like messing with you that you have no that you cannot touch, 
you might want to bail on this one because like we're talking about demonic possession we're talking about all this stuff and chance and i both believe that they're very very real yep they hate humanity yep and they're angry and they want to destroy oh my god i'm a demon yeah pretty much anyways but i just it, it, i just figured that out i hate humanity i don't like people <laughs> i want to destroy up. yeah I'm a demon. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. On a serious note, you know, if you go by the biblical sense, which, yeah. I mean, demonology does deal with, you know, a biblical sense of demons. Demons hate the image of God, hate everything God, hate anything to do with God. And if you go in that biblical sense, humans are made in the image of God. So, therefore, we are just the epitome of everything they hate. Yeah, so, I mean, and, and like, you know what? I'm going to add on to that. Just to let you out there in the audience know, this even that we are talking about is theory. Everything is done in paranormal, whether it's demonology, um, whether it be just plain old paranormal investigations. If you're using metaphysical, you know, all this other stuff combined, it's all theory. Nothing has been proven. Nothing has been proven to be exact. So, once again, it's all theory. This is just opinions. And some of it is just a lot of data that's been, you know, collected, and they go, okay, well, this seems to be kind of the norm. Yeah, and I mean, an ex- and it's collected over centuries. It's yeah. not just collected. I mean, it's like evolution is still a theory. Yeah, possession's Light, been going back since the dawn of man. The way electricity works is still a theory. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, Which is just true. putting it, it into perspective there, you know, there's a lot of theories out there that we— Gravity is a theory. Yeah, that we count as fact, Yeah. even though, like, there is really no way— there's no way to prove it. There's no way to really repeat it every single time. Yeah. And, and one of the things about it, like like I said just right now with gravity, you know, right now scientists use the term gravitron as at least to give an idea of a reference for when they're explaining gravity. Okay. But to explain what exactly gravity is, they couldn't tell you. Like they can tell you what the makeup of blood is in the human body. They could tell you what the makeup of air is. They could tell you the makeup of water. You know, it's one part this, two parts that. You know, gravity, sorry, nothing. <laughs> so they use the term Gravitron. That's what they were basically using right now for theory. All right, so anyways, moving on. <laughs> so, that, well, I wanted to get that out there because I know people, are, I've already seen it coming. From what you just said, I'll get 20 emails from people saying, well, that's not exactly what demons are. No, that's your opinion, okay? And I don't care about your opinion. So there you go. So moving on. The next, well, what? Demons are generally a malevolent spirit that causes some really screwed up mess to happen well so am i with a lot of tequila yeah but like in general never mind and you, in general you, if you, i drink a lot of tequila no, shut okay. up <laughs> you, you, you just say what you were going to say mr smarty bar <laughs> <laughs> mr smarty pants <laughs> well the, the point that i'm getting is you're you're exactly dead on with what you're saying i'm just kind of reiterating and just kind of expounding on it a little bit that yes i'm letting the people out there know on the paranormal side of the house before i get all the messages that this is in theory. There's going to be people that's going to have differences of opinions in this. People who claim to be demonologists and people who claim to be, you know, exorcist, you know, people that go out there and do these exorcisms. Okay, whatever you want to call yourself, I really don't care. I don't, you know, hey, be proud of uh, what you want to call yourself and you claim to be. That's fine. You know, just when you do it, just make sure that you acknowledge to people like, hey, this is all based in theory. You know, I see it as a fact because I believe in it. But that doesn't mean that they have to believe in it. You know what I'm saying? Prime example. I believe in God, believe in heaven and hell. Yep. That doesn't mean it's real. To be honest, at the end of the day, it doesn't. Well, the way I look at it, so you may not believe in the devil, but he believes in you. Absolutely. And the other thing is, (laughs) but the other reason why I say that is because of the simple fact that, you know, because I believe in heaven, I believe in hell. I also believe that if that is the case. If that is the case 100%, then that means right now, let's just take everything off the table and let's just go with a leap of faith and belief for a moment. Just for a moment. And I'm asking the audience to join along on this ride, on the soul train. What we're going to do, and I mean like human soul. So at this point in time, if Christianity was real, 100%, there is really a heaven, there's really a hell, there's really a God, there's really Satan, angels, demons, so on and so forth. That means that every paranormal investigator out there who's doing what they do right now is pointless. And I'll explain why. The whole point of faith is believing in something that's not tangible. You can't touch it. You can't taste it. You can't prove that it's real. Hence the term, the word faith. You take a leap of faith. 
you're believing so hard that it's real. Okay. God has already said that that is, and if you read through the Bible, that the whole point of religion of Christianity is believing in him and believing in that faith. You're going to have to be faithful, which means we are never going to definitively sit there and talk with a spirit who's going to sit there on camera and go, hey, my name's Bob Baver, and I just died about three weeks ago, and yet there is a heaven and there is a hell. Thank you very much. Good night, Seattle. All right, it's not going to happen because if we had that definitive proof, well, we just prove that God exists. We prove there is another side, so on and so forth. That totally denounces Christianity on its base belief of it's all done by faith. Put it this way, Ed, if if and when it is proven that Christianity is real, it'll only be the last 12 years of and the existence go. of this planet before people are like, oh, yes. crap. There will be a time. <laughs> yeah, if the day ever comes and we sit there and all of a sudden we're all like, man, there really is a God in heaven and hell. There are so many screwed people on this planet as it is. Look, this is I, – I, I'm, I'm stealing this from someone. Yeah, we could all be wrong. I it, 100% admire. Yeah. The true confirmation that everything in the Bible is true is when you see two guys hanging out in the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, breathing fire, killing people, preaching the word, and breathing fire and killing people that were trying to hurt them. Yeah. That's when you know 100% the yeah. Bible's true. There yeah. you go. There you go. <laughs> you know, and, and well, we'll just see what happens. <laughs> That's all I can say. I would like to believe that there's a heaven and hell and there's a God, Satan, so on and so forth. Another thing is, too, going along that line, because we are talking about possessions, we are talking about, you know, exorcisms. The people out there who have claimed to have been, have been possessed by the devil himself. I don't mean a demon. I'm talking about the devil himself. The devil is not going to be the one that comes up here to possess Bob Beaver. It ain't going to happen. All right. The one that will be will be some type of other low hierarchy of demon. Okay. Now, like I said, we're only taking one facet of religion tonight and going with that because we could be here for days going through so many different religions. We can do demons. An, we can do an entire radio like program oh, oh, every absolutely. night for 200 years yeah. on the amount of different religions. And yeah. lore in Greece, and you have Damon. Over in uh, Japan, you have the Onai. You know, um, there, there are all these different, you know, types of uh, their version of what we would consider a demon. Yeah, with their Islam, religions. it's the jinn. Yeah, and there you, you know, go. I mean, it's it's a whole lot of things. We can be here yeah, forever. Exactly. So we're just trying to keep everything on the one path tonight to make this a little simpler. Yeah, and it's America, and granted, Christianity is one of the most prevalent religions in this country, so it's just easier to translate that way. Yeah, yeah. And, and to be real, well, neither one of us or you know, any other facet of religion, so it would be hard for us to really speak on that as a professional. So there we go. All right, moving on. So with this whole thing being said, it's one of those situations where the devil will not possess the average human on the street. Bob Beaver is not going to get possessed. Aunt Sally is not going to get possessed by the devil. If anybody comes to you and they claim they are possessed by the devil, either A, they are the Antichrist, or B, there's another issue underlying. Or C, the entity possessing them is lying. Because there's well, that's been what I'm saying. Very, just in general. In there's general. been a yeah. lot of... Um, Entities and people that are 100% confirmed to be possessed because oh, they're absolutely. doing crap that, like, only possess people. When you can, like, spin yourself, like, off the floor and you're hovering and you can torture yourself into, like, a perfect figure eight and you're, like, muttering, like, obscenities and, like, dead languages, then, yeah, I, you're you're pretty much possessed. And Whenever it comes <laughs> down to xenoglossy, all right, xenoglossy is when someone can speak different languages that's never spoke them before. Okay, yeah. so you all of a sudden you have you know Aunt Sally you know out there making her her butter baked beans for the family, <laughs> all of a sudden starts talking in you know a, a, a dead Sanskrit of Latin from thousands of years ago. <laughs> there might be an issue. I don't think it's the beans. Okay, if all of a sudden she starts talking and, and to be honest, even in just other gen generalized languages, I mean you know she starts speaking Japanese all of a sudden she can speak it fluently and understand it. The big kicker is when they start talking about secrets that only you know, that no one else does. Oh, man. Like when we were talking to uh, – I always forget his name. I love the guy. Oh, Rich Valdez? Yes. Yeah. Rich. When we were talking to him, he was recounting one of the ones he did where he comes in, uses a fake name, and this person that is possessed calls him out by his name first and last. 
and starts telling him about himself. Yeah. And we don't mean like basic stuff that anybody can find off of Facebook, Instagram, Your Twitter, and all that. Your intimate secrets that you do in the dark. Yeah, we're talking. Yeah, exactly. We're talking about the things that you don't share with other people. And let's be real, we all have them. We all do. Okay. So when those type of things start happening, you know, that's another like sign that obviously there is something demonic and paranormal happening here. Okay. Um. There are going to be times that uh, the basic way that a possession will happen, there has to be four stages that are – and this is just in theory. It's it's like a common ground that they've noticed amongst all these different possessions that have happened, that there's typically four stages that happen in that process. And it goes from infestation. Infestation, for lack of a better term, is haunted activity. Mm. So in the home, all of a sudden, door slams. Uh, they they notice objects had been moved around the house, knockings, rappings, everything exactly like the standard what you see in the scary movies and all that good stuff. You know, infestation happens first. Once that happens, then it starts moving on to oppression. That's when they start getting physically attacked. They start getting, and I don't mean like getting beat up and all that. That it does happen sometimes where people start receiving scratches, uh, you know, getting smacked, uh, hair pulled, stuff like that. And they also start experiencing uh, violent sickness, you know, all of a sudden, too. It's another combination of the actual physical attack of the oppression that starts happening. Then it'll move on from that to obsession. Now the person, that's all they can think about, all they can focus on. Oh, my God, please don't let me get sick again. Oh, please don't let this attack happen again. Oh, please don't let my... You know, brand new TV, get knocked on the floor again and busted to pieces. You know, there's there's somebody here, something going on. The, the paranoia sets in. It's the spirit of fear. Yeah, and basically what it is, is these first three stages is the demon's way of wearing the human down. There are some people who believe out there, and this an, an, another, you know, misinformation thing, is that when they get possessed, that they're, you know, they're gone. They're They're just completely gone at that point in time. Not necessarily true. Hmm. Typical possessions, if you look at the you know the standard like you know case files on these, a lot of them, that when it happens, it's in and out. It's almost like having an epileptic seizure where somebody is perfectly fine one moment and then all of a sudden they have their seizure the next. And I'm just using that as a reference, as in it's it can be very sporadic and random. Okay. Now, its prime objective at this point in time of what a demon is doing is wearing the person down to where they start losing that sense of willpower they can't fight back anymore they're tired of fighting they don't want to fight anymore they get to the point that they finally just give in and then what happens possession that's when it takes over but when it takes over once again it's within limits it's in and out sporadic when it happens god's gift to humankind period was free will and so even a demon can't fully take all that away from you they can to an extent, but not all the way. And once again, letting the audience know, this is going upon research, upon research, upon research of case files. This is a very common theory that is accepted and approved by many people who are very well-known and documented demonologists to professional exorcists, even with the uh, diocese, yeah, yeah, within the Catholic Church. Yep. And so, adding to that, um, if yeah. I may interject, um, there's things that people can do to open up themselves to it like um yeah according to the archdiocese and stuff satanic worship um a life of sin you know that that adds to it you know not not saying everybody that goes out there and like fornicates and stuff um opens themselves up to like demonic possession because um, we'd all be screwed yeah (laughs) literally and metaphorically but it just it's one of those things like there are levels of things that you can do like a murderer is more likely to be possessed or someone that is living um, oh i have a couple of examples of that oh yes Yes. come on with it buddy hit me all right so here's another thing too if people believe that only bad people get possessed or people who don't believe in god get possessed no nope it's just as random as literally getting 50 people in a circle and throwing up a bunch of rice and let's see who gets hit by that you know piece of of rice it's that random boom yeah it doesn't matter what your background is Uh, there's people who've been practicing you know uh catholics you know, people of different religions that have become possessed. 
Yeah. So the religion strength has nothing to do with it. If you're human, rich, you're poor, mm -hmm. doesn't matter. There's been rich people that's been possessed. There's been poor people that's been possessed. It's real terrifying when you know the really rich people get possessed because then they start doing stuff that they can get away with. Yeah. And it's it's just nasty. Yeah. Now real the bad. Yeah. Now the flip side mm -hmm. of that coin is to we are all fully aware and bringing that up now. Yes, not everybody who starts experiencing all this weird paranormal stuff is, is to be honest, is um, let's just say that the people who experience all this stuff and, and wind up becoming possessed does not mean they're really possessed by a demon. Some people do have mental illnesses that mm -hmm. cause these same side effects. Yep. And I'm going to be that is very true. Yes, got to be dead real and honest on all this stuff. You can't just sit there and go, "Oh my God, every woman's possessed." No, well, they, that that would bring us back to the dark ages where they uh, yeah. decided that anything and everything, even medicine, was like a uh, form of witchcraft. You oh, know? I, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, think about this: people who had Tourette's back then, who would randomly, you know, and Tourette's does not mean that because everybody seems to think it's a stereotype that everybody has Tourette's. Is all the people who are just yelling out obscenities? No, that's not true. It can that's be like only, a nervous tick or whatever. It could be a nervous tick. It could yeah. be multiple different things that, that Tourette's causes. All right, but <laughs> just going with the example of the one where they use foul language and obscenities, one of the things that they claim when people are possessed by a demon is they use a lot of foul language and obscenities. Can you imagine how many people back in the day that had just a you know form of Tourette's that they were accused of being possessed by the devil? Or just had a foul mouth. There was a, probably a lot of sailors that were... <laughs> there was a lot of sailors needed some cleaning. <laughs> I mean, I find myself on a regular basis. I have to, like, make sure that I am... Especially just on the show. Just be careful what you're saying. Yeah. Yep. And make sure I am censored on a regular basis. What did I just do? I, I don't know, but you're doing 100, 100 things at once right now, and I'm concerned you're going to slip up and say the wrong word because you're focused on something else. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I, I'm zoned in, bro. I'm just... I. How many fingers am I holding up? None. I didn't give a chance to look. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> I was testing his psychic abilities. I hate you. I'm not a psychic. <laughs> a lot of people hate me. I don't care. All right, so moving on. Also, <laughs> possessions can take place with inanimate objects as well. Yes. Yes. And one of them being Robert the Doll down yes. in Key West. Yes. Man, I was so fascinated with Robert the Doll when I lived down there. I really was. Um, I've investigated Robert the Doll. He's currently located at the East Martello Museum down in Key West. But Robert the Doll, um, to, to put it in a lack of a better term, is a, a stuffed doll, okay, that basically took on a living persona, all right? And I'm going to get more into detail about that. So, <laughs> it's so funny, man. Robert the Doll, a lot of people believe, was actually the, the reason why uh, uh, the movie Child's Play got created, that mm -hmm. Chucky was based on him. No, that's not true. And I know that for a fact because Tom Holland, who created Chucky and directed Child's Play, is actually you know, a friend of mine. And I've interviewed him, asked him that directly. He had no idea who Robert the Doll was. <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> yeah, he was based on the, the My Buddy toy. You know, when when his son was a kid at that age. Yeah, those things were creepy anyway. I mean, all those dolls when I was growing up, like Cabbage Patch Kids and all that stuff. Oh my God, my grandma had this spare room mm -hmm. that had all those freaky dolls with like the like crazy socket blinking eyes and oh, stuff. Oh God, and, yeah. Like, dude, I <gasps> you reminded me of a scary story. I got to tell you, and oh, I'll tell it live on air too because it's a true story. Go dude, ahead. this is this is one that like really freaked me out. So like, I was uh, my uh, girlfriend at the time. Uh, college sweetheart mm -hmm. she was staying with us because like she was only out for like a semester or two she was taking extra classes yada yada mm -hmm. well because you know we old-fashioned boy girl blah 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 my grandparents insisted that we stay in different rooms that didn't last long because the different room they insisted i stay in was the one with the blinky eyes and freaky crap and like i started having <laughs> like crazy nightmares and it almost felt like you know your little demonic oppression stuff going on and like it's like, I got to get the hell out of this room. I'm done. Yeah. Like, And, I mean, unfortunately, I had to go into the same bed as my girlfriend, which was very unfortunate Damn at the, the time. <laughs> but, no, legitimately, there's some – like, those, doll, those dolls aren't in there anymore. Like, yeah. there's, there's some – like, yeah, no. no All right. Never so, again. So, Robert the Doll, uh, originally he belonged to Robert Eugene Otto. A lot of people just called him Gene. Uh, he was an artist. Um, uh, he was definitely described as eccentric. That uh, He was from a very prominent Key West family. 
And the doll was originally, it was reportedly manufactured by the uh, Steiff Company of Germany. See, that's another big, uh, a big misleading story that this doll was created by an individual. Um, no, it was actually created by a company that was in Germany. It was back in 1904. So uh, it was given to young Otto as a birthday gift. And the doll's sailor suit that the doll still currently wears um, was actually one of Otto's uh, suits. Like, if you look at the doll, like in real life, that thing's pretty tall. It's about maybe, I'd say probably about four foot, you know, just give or take a few inches. And so, like, for a little kid at that time, it, you know, they would wear obviously same size, you know, clothing. So, uh, the doll remains stored in the Auto family home, and it's right there on Eaton Street in Key West, by the way. If you're walking around, you can take a look and you'll see it. And, uh, uh, well, it used to be there anyways, but I guess this is the house you could originally see where it came from. So, uh, matter of fact, the exact address, I'll give it to you because it's public knowledge, is 534 Eaton Street in Key West. So, while you're walking around Key West sometime, go there. You can look up and see the doll or the house where the doll came from. All right. So, uh, anyways, it was stored there while Otto studied in, in New York and in Paris. Um, Otto married Annette Parker in Paris on May 3rd, 1930. The couple returned to the Otto family home in Key West to live there until Otto died in 1974. His wife died two years later. After their deaths, the Eaton Street home containing the doll was sold to Myrtle Reuter, who owned it for uh, for 20 years until the property was sold to the current owners, who operated as a guest house. Um, so in 1994, the doll, at that good point in time, had been uh, you know kind of moved because people were <laughs> having really weird circumstances happening in the home. And I give you an example. I got this from when I lived in Key West. There was a guy. Uh, he was like the caretaker of the home. Okay, he was in the house working, only one in the home. He was uh, working on a kitchen sink on the first floor. Okay, so he's underneath the sink. He's rattling away doing his thing. He feels somebody run up and kick his foot really hard. They giggled and took off running. <laughs> it was me. <laughs> well, he comes swatting off underneath the sink, and the footsteps had already gone around the corner. So he's following the sound of the footsteps. And he said the entire time it seemed like it was always one corner ahead of him running. And he followed the sounds. It led him all the way up to the room where Robert the doll was at when he opened the door. He checked the closet. He looked all around the room. Nobody's in there, right? The doll is sitting there, which where they used to have it, it was on this, like, uh, this like you know, couch by the window that always faced the street. So people used to be able to walk by and look up and see Robert the doll up there looking at him, which was pretty cool. So he, he marked it up as like, okay, I'm in this house alone. I know the stories. It's overactive imagination. It, it could have been anything that bumped his foot. Cause he did have tools down there by his feet and everything, too. So he, he marked it up as just overactive imagination because he freaked himself out. So he laughed it off. He goes back downstairs, gets underneath the sink. Boom. Happens again. <laughs> he comes shooting out, and he's like, okay, there's somebody in this house messing with me now. He goes booking, following the sound, uh, once again, repetitively, all the way up to that same room. Opens the door and walks in, and Robert the doll is sitting on the opposite end of the couch, now looking at him. <laughs> His tools are still in that house. <laughs> he gone. <laughs> he literally went back downstairs, grabbed up a majority of his tools anyways. He, he said he was rushed. He said he probably left half his tools underneath that sink still. Called them up and said, I'm done. He, yeah, never went back again. He literally, like, um, he stayed a handyman working all these other locations. Refuse, he absolutely refused to go back in that house until they got rid of that doll. So, but now, according to legend, and this is a legend now, that the doll has supernatural abilities that allow it to move, change its facial expressions, and making giggling sounds. Sound familiar what happened to this guy? Mm-hmm. Uh, some versions of the legend claim that a young girl of Bahamian descent gave Otto the doll as a gift <laughs> or as retaliation of wrongdoing. Creole, baby. Yeah, uh, yeah. I've heard that legend, too, that apparently the, the Bahamian family, they worked for the Otto family for a long time. They had, I guess, uh, treated one of them horribly wrong. And I don't know if this is the truth, and I don't want to speak bad about people from the past because I don't know. But that is one of the legends that they gave the doll possessed on purpose with voodoo magic to this child, all right? Because as Otto grew up his entire life, when weird stuff would happen in that house, he'd always tell his mom and dad, you know, that that Robert did it, all right? Matter of fact, you can find T-shirts down there where it has a picture of Robert the Doll on it, and across the top it says Robert did it. They, <laughs> you know, they, they had Robert the Doll Day, all because the mayor who made fun of the doll 
immediately upon making fun of him, turned to walk away, tripped, and broke his arm. <laughs> and he had a rash of bad luck for about a week till he finally actually started believing because they do believe that if you say anything negative or do anything negative to him, he will haunt you. And that's basically what was happening. The mayor, to make up for it, in front of the, the whole township, they had a big thing and a big meeting about this and everything else, and they created Robert the Doll Day where he made a public apology to Robert the Doll. And after that, he had good luck. Everything was fine. So, uh, so yeah. So, according to local folklore, the doll has caused car accidents, broken bones, job loss, divorce, and a cornucopia of other misfortunes. And uh, museum visitors supposedly experience post-visit misfortunes for failing to respect Robert. I've heard that happening as well. Because now Robert the doll is in this big, you know, glass case. It's like four by four, and it's like, you know, about three feet tall. He sits on a little wooden chair inside the, the glass case. And he's even got a little stuffed lion, you know, to keep him, you know, comforted, I guess, for him. And people who have been there that have made fun of the doll, rash of bad luck. For like uh, for a long, long time, there were people, and you can see them when you go to the museum, the East Martello Museum in Key West, where people have written apology letters to Robert the Doll that the people in the museum will read them out loud to Robert, and then they post them up there on the wall. Wow, crazy man, I'm telling you. All right, so yes, it is possible for possessions to happen with inanimate objects as well, and there's a lot of different cases besides this throughout history. Uh, everything from a necklace being possessed. Typically, it's not demonic. Usually, it's, it's usually ghost activity and haunted activity that happens with this type of inanimate possessions. It's not a demon per se. But there are people who believe that with the folklore of the legend from the people, you know, from the Bahamian descent that gave Otto the doll, that they had done basically a deal with the devil and they had it demonically possessed and then given to Otto. So that's just, you know, a little piece of history there thrown out. So, we have some other serious cases, though, uh, moving on. So, Michael Taylor, in 1974... Oh, I knew you were going to go there. Did you... Yeah, check up on that one, uh, too? Oh, my God. It's insane. So, uh, he was, uh, by day, a butcher, normal guy, you know, normal everyday life, nothing special, nothing spectacular about this guy. He wound up getting involved with the church. He started actually going to church. He started attending, like, you know, the little, you know, afternoon seminary gatherings and group-ups, you know, with people and everything. He wound up basically kind of getting enamored with uh, this woman named Marie uh, Robman, okay, or Robinson. Marie Robinson was the, the leader of, like, the, the group, the, the church group. And like I said, they would get together in the evenings and do, like, you know, little prayers and stuff like that. You know, just kind of a social get-together, you know, and do a little bit of Bible studying at the same time. Well, upon one of the visits, out of nowhere, he started acting very animalistic, growling. Uh, thrashing about, started getting very disruptive, screaming obscenities at her, started becoming very verbally abusive uh, to an extent that they finally actually had to have people – go ahead. Well, an interjection. So apparently he accused her of having an affair just before that. Yes. So the, adding some potential outside context to that because that's that's the one where i found a little fishy well the crazy part is that's not who he's married to to clarify on this story he was accusing her yes of her committing this you know affair with someone else or whatever but he was not married to her he was married to a totally different woman oh i misunderstood my bad yeah yeah and so he wound up of course going into the obscenities and animalistic you know approach and everything like they, the people were claiming like the guy was growling and it sounded like an actual animal growling <laughs> not human and he got very, very strong the whole nine yards. Took a lot of people to subdue this guy and get him out of there. So time goes by. Not a very lot of time, but a little bit of time. And what basically happened was that they, um, <laughs> after assaulting her, um, there was exorcisms done on him there from a local church. And I believe it was the same church. Mm -hmm. They did over 40 exorcisms on this guy. They claimed that there was over 40 demons inside this guy. And they didn't get them all. Yep, and they did not get them all. And the reason why they know, when things seemed that they were settled, that he had been cleansed, that everything was fine, is when he had turned around and wound up killing his wife horrifically and even killed their dog. And that's where I draw the line. You kill a dog, yeah. you're done. So you don't draw the line at the wife, but you draw the line at the dog. 
I feel like people can <laughs> like really push the button. Like I, you walked into that one. There so are hard. S- there are certain situations where no, I get it. I can understand because like people, especially right now, people are. And this is something that you brought up before the show that I think you yeah. should definitely bring up. Like right now, in this day and age, especially the past couple of years, people have been on a whole nother level of doing some messed up crap. Yeah, absolutely. The dog, on the other hand. Is well, the think about this, like with serial killers, the first sign of people usually becoming a serial killer is they start with animals first before yeah, they work no. their way up to humans. No, no, no. Yeah. I, I, I was worried about a few relatives of mine. It's actually a, a very common sign. Yeah, but uh, so this had already gone through an actual church, and they actually did an exorcism on this gentleman. And they had, they had claimed that they had removed up to 40 demons from this guy, but apparently there was one that they did not remove. And because... According to what happened after the whole killing incident took place and everything else, he still claimed that he was possessed. The guy was acting very erratic and growling and all this other stuff. Now, mind you, let's be real. Could it have been psychological? Absolutely, it could have. You know, when they talk about the inhuman strength, you'll be amazed at the capability of strength the human body has when you actually need it and you get that adrenaline dump. Well, Uh, also, I mean... Yeah, the, the woman lifting the car off her child is an example. That's the example everybody uses. Yeah. Know? I mean, most of the time when we lift something, we're only using, like, one muscle or one muscle group. And most yeah. of that, when that happens, your brain and adrenaline kind of work together and make this kind of hyperdrive mode for you where you're using multiple muscle groups at the same time yeah. and having double, triple, sometimes ten times the strength. And like see, an ant. And that's exactly it. The thing is, the strength is always there. Every one of us have it. We all do. It's, it's just a, hard to consci- consciously use that strength. Exactly, it's hard to consciously use that strength unless you get that enragement that drops in the you know the the, the dump of all the you know the hormone levels that jump up, um, the testosterone level that jumps up, the adrenaline level jumps up, uh, even even a big dose of oxygen. Everything is like it's like adding NOS to an engine of a car and just amping it up by like twenty percent. You know they get that twenty percent extra boost of strength. Um, People that are like on drugs, you know, cocaine, PCP, you know, all the the old school day stuff, mm-hmm. you know, where people used to act crazy and have like you know, the cops always claimed inhuman strength. Here's the reality of that, though, in, in real life. Coming from former law enforcement, handcuffing an individual that does not want to be handcuffed is not as easy as it sounds. I promise you. Absolutely I don't care how not. strong you are, what manipulations you can do, you know, what training you've had, blah, blah, blah. You get somebody in a full-blown panic attack, and they don't want to be arrested, and they don't want to have cuffs put on them, you're in for a scrap. promise you. Just going to happen. All right? You know, you're trying to get a little, little thing wrapped around a little wrist. <laughs> yeah, good luck. It's not as easy as it sounds. All right? All right, so moving on. Now, uh, uh, there's another case back um, with Anna Eklund um, from Iowa back in 1912. She was a devout Catholic. We were on the same. We were totally on the same wavelength, like researching. Like I, yeah, unintentionally. There's a whole bunch. These are just ones I pulled at random. We, we do this often, though. Dude, it's pretty like, crazy. Yeah, it's nuts. It's definitely uh, some synchronicity going on there. Yeah, but she was a 14 year old girl. She was a devout Catholic, um, but her father and aunt practiced dark magic, satanic worship, and was cursing her. Yes, they were actually cursing this girl and they, poisoning her food. Poisoning her food. You know, a fort. Year-old child. Okay. The girl wound up allegedly, of course, wound up becoming possessed by demons. She became very animalistic. She was speaking different languages. This is where it gets weird. At first, I was marking it. Well, maybe the poisoning and stuff was poisoning her brain, and this is what started causing nope. a lot of these effects. When your intelligence increased, yeah. It, when the intelligence <laughs> increased, and you're speaking multiple languages that the other people confirmed, yeah, she's speaking it fluently because I can speak it fluently, and they were able to converse with her, and this from multiple witnesses. Yeah, and she was not studying these languages. This was just random, out of nowhere. She could all of a sudden speak, I think it was like four or five they totaled. Yeah, it was, uh, so she could do German, Italian, Latin, fluent, dead Latin. Yeah. And there was uh, one other one, I think it was like Russian or like something really complicated to learn for an American, like Russian or Japanese or something like that. I think it was Russian if I'm not mistaken. Uh, And she became very sexually depraved. Yes. Um, which we're not going to get into detail, obviously. As a 14-year-old child, I'm not going to get into that. But I'm just saying that this is all the things that because of what the the father and the aunt – it wasn't the father and the mom. It was the father and the aunt was doing to her. 
that led into all of this. So they wound up, um, of course, the you know, the church got involved. They started doing you know all the cleansing and doing the exorcism, and she stayed possessed for a total of twenty three <clears throat> days straight. They were doing the exorcisms on her for twenty three days, but she did come out of it. She good. Did, yep, she did come out of it. So that's that's the good thing. And obviously, I'm quite sure that the father and the aunt were dealt with accordingly back then. Yeah, then. Mm, yeah. No. We, yeah. All right, so. <laughs> Uh-oh, demon. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so this is just a couple of, of examples. I mean, we already have a lot out there, you know. I mean, when you watch the movie The Exorcist, that was actually based on a, a young boy, not a girl. Um, and I think the boy was from Germany, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, There's a lot of German possessions. Have you noticed that? Yeah. yeah. Because um, there There's was uh, Annalise McHale. Yes. There was that German kid you're talking about. And then there was like three or four other ones that came up in the research. And I was just like, geez, Germany's got some – they got some mess going on, buddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nope. Mm-mm-mm-mm. But also, too, and this is something that I thought was actually kind of funny that I found. And this is actually kind of dealing with today's politics in a way because this actually did have a, a – I don't want to say political, but this did have a, a touch of, of our society of what's going on as a whole today. A um, little modern touch. A little modern touch. There you go. Yeah, it's already been spoken about that <laughs> already. I mean from the archdiocese, uh, we talked about this earlier uh, before the show, has already came out and said that since about 2018 – that as a whole, the reports of exorcisms has gone up drastically. It's gone up like three times the normal amount that they would normally get throughout the year. And trust me, it is more common than you think out there publicly that the churches get contacted by people claiming they know someone or they may be the person that is dealing with a possession. It's actually more common than what you think. And mm-hmm. it's gone up threefold. There is one priest in particular just in the year of 2020, just one priest, mind you. This is just one priest in one little you know, neighborhood. Well, I don't want to say neighborhood, but one city. One priest. Fifth, over 1,500 different cases of demonic possession. <laughs> that's a lot. And that's just one in one location in a city that he received over 1,500 different uh, notifications from people claiming to either be possessed or know someone who is possessed and needing the church's help. All right, so uh, with that being said, a lot of these you know priests have actually got together, and they have decided that um, right now, with all the protests that happened, like, you know, back during, like, you know, uh, all throughout... Summer of last year. Yeah, summer of last year, that a lot of these priests, whether you knew it or not, and a lot of people don't know this, they did not know this, while they were going on and protesting, these priests were coming through the crowds behind people and doing cleansings and blessings. This is an actual article from the AP. All right, this is from the Associated Press. So anybody could pull this up and read about it. The they were going around basically doing a cleansing to try to get rid of any of the negativity that had been built up in the air because of the fact they had been receiving so many calls, so many letters sent, so many emails about people getting possessed that they felt that this uprising of all this negative energy built. And I'm not saying that anybody's doing anything wrong under protest. Don't, I'm not going political here. I'm not saying anybody's right or wrong. I'm just saying that obviously if somebody's protesting something, there's a problem. Okay? There was just a whole lot of negativity in the world at that point in time. And yes. It's your right to protest. It is your constitutional right to protest. We're not saying anything bad about that. Exactly. Let's just nip that in the bud right now before yeah, yeah. anybody starts talking junk. Exactly. We're just saying that because of a situation happening and people protesting, a lot of negative energy was built up. And so these priests made it a point. And this is not like, you know, uh, once again, Bob Beaver who got ordained online. Okay. This is, or Chance Hancock, that yeah. got ordained online. <laughs> exactly. These are actual priests, you know, from you know the Catholic Church that was going behind all these protests, and a lot of people did not know this. They never made it public because they were trying to get it under control, and was going around and doing these cleansings and blessings. Um, there, I mean, right now, like there's a there was a case that happened back in uh, like 1949. Speaking of which, I want to talk about this article real quick too. This is actually where. The whole situation with uh, the Exorcist, the the movie. This is the case that the Exorcist was actually based on. All right, it happened in St. Louis uh, in 1949. Um, and as a matter of fact, I want to put this out there right now. So, Exorcizo de 
immunodisciplinary, spiritist, ominous, don't, don't, and cursio out of a scene. Why are you turning my mic off? Don't ever do that again. Why are you turning it off? Why are you quoting random Latin? Because I can read this, and I was putting it out that this is actually a blessing. Okay. No, say but, that. No, say never that. mind. Never mind. I'm going to let everybody die and go to hell now. No, all say because that. Of, all because of Jesse, who can't speak you know, Latin. We're all going to hell. It's a dead language. All right. <laughs> so back in April 17, 1988, one night in 1949, when a Verhagen Hall at St. Louis University was a residence for G-Suits, a priest uh, just back from a year of study at Harvard University, heard a diabolical laugh that froze his blood. That evening, the young G-Suit had been saying uh, his office, a priest daily's prayers, as he sat in a small room directly across from the old rectory in the back of St. Francis Xavier College Church. He was not 20 feet um, away from a rear window in the rectory, he recalled. The old priest's house, which has since been raised and replaced with a newer building, was nestled between the creaky wood and brick splendor of Duborg Hall and its nearby 19th century cousin, Verhagen, now home to the university's theological studies department. Okay, so what happened was he heard this wild, idiotic, diabolical laughter, and uh, and this is from Reverend Lucius uh, Cervantes, um, whose late brother, Alfonso Juan, was a mayor of St. Louis. Um, he hadn't heard a thing about the exorcism at the time, so he tried to find out what it was all about. Um, he had looked toward the window from where the light was coming from and saw nothing, and, but still kept hearing this laugh coming from that house, this, like, loud, loud, almost like if it was almost on a speaker it was so loud, you know, coming from this home. And what he had heard was a 14-year-old boy from Mount Rainier, Maryland, a Washington suburb who may believe was possessed or obsessed by demons. I mean obsessed. Uh, this is where they took active interest in him. Hmm. So he wasn't actually possessed yet. No, oh, he was he was oppressed. Yes. Okay. All right. So um, and throughout the time, the boy's bizarre behavior occurred mostly at night. He would supposedly become incredibly strong, his body distorting and transforming, heels touching the back of his head. The body forming a loop, all reported by priests who were witnesses. Uh, curiously, during these convulsions, the doctors attending him could find no change in his pulse rate or blood pressure. What? The bed would shake violently. Obscene words and images appeared on his skin and raised red welts like... Uh, Scratches? Yeah, that, that would appear from out of nowhere, just on his skin. All right. Um, these brandings on the boy's skin had happened as many as 30 times each day. And were unquestionably paranormal, says William Peter Blatty, who wrote the novel The Exorcist. Wow. So when he wrote The Exorcist, it, the, that movie was based on this case with that boy. And he had spoke to the priest and basically kind of, in a sense, did his own investigation of what happened. to Because he heard all about it, too. You know, So yeah. he, he went to the source. I and mean, spoke, that's big news. Yeah, and spoke of these people. And this is all the stuff that was coming from the clergy. They were stating like this boy would form himself into a complete loop backwards where his heels were touching his head. Now, mind you, yeah, there's a lot of people out there that can do, you know, the bending and the contortionist. You know, they can do all this kind of stuff. And everything yeah, else. but when you're doing it levitating, that's a whole different scenario, yeah. bro. <laughs> while the bed's shaking violently on its own, while on top of it you're having obscenities and all this other stuff raise up on your skin out of nowhere. So, yeah, so the truth of the matter is that that was based upon a boy that happened back in 1949 in St. Louis, the movie The Exorcist. So, anyways, we're getting ready to cut out here anyways. I just realized the time. So, you guys can look more into more detail of the story. Uh, look up the story I talked about, you know, on the AP, the Associated Press, about protests and exorcisms. Go check that out. And uh, make sure you tune in again next week. We'll be talking about more. Make sure you go to Creative Loafing and vote for us. Yes, for best there of the we Bay. go. Yes, best internet radio show. Uh, so make sure you go out there and vote for us. Make sure you tune into all of our social media. Uh, you're going to be turning, you know, tuning into us for our Instagram and our Facebook, which is at Paraprobe Radio. All right, and then our Twitter is just at Paraprobe. So make sure you follow us on our Instagram. Keep up with everything going on because we will be launching our events, and I mean soon. We're talking within a week. Um, and if you uh, if you feel so inclined, go ahead and DM, DM us some stories and yeah. tag us on social media if you have a paranormal story that you think we should share. And uh, yeah. we'll kind of add you in and uh, give you a shout-out on there. Yeah, or if you just want to come on our show and talk about your paranormal experience. Yeah. You want to talk about 
okay, we deal with a lot of paranormal teams out there. We're all about sharing the experiences from all you guys, too. We'd love to have you come on our show and talk about it. Um, if you'd like to, you can reach out to me at chancehancockmedia at gmail.com. It's chancehancockmedia at gmail.com or the radio show's uh, email, which is paraprobradio at gmail.com. Yeah. And on that terrible disappointment, we're getting out of here. We're out of here. Bye-bye. Have a good night.